Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. If you are a wine lover like myself and you gotta have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge, So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses try firstleaf.com slash roses creams and serums are made of 70 percent water 15 percent preservatives and emulsifiers leaving only around 15 percent for the active ingredients that your skin needs but luckily now there's fiber skincare 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. 
If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. So Chris Harrison said that in 2018, we did not yet possess the lens through which we can see America here in 2021. All right, and this on uh, how we owe uh, grace and forgiveness to, to Rachel Kirkenell. Let me tell you about why that is just a mess, okay? Let's talk about the fact that discourse on racism did not begin in 2021. It did not begin in 2020, 2018, 2016, 2017. Shit, it did not begin in 2013 when we first heard of Black Lives Matter. It did not begin in the 60s. It did not begin. <laughs> we could argue that the discourse on racism, the lens through which we could see um, inequity in this society, we could argue that it's been available to us since the moment white folks came onto stolen land with stolen bodies and raped, killed, and pillaged their way into black and brown communities using their labor for free to build the country that we have today. Right, the only difference between 2018 and 2021 is white people have the option to disengage, disconnect, and deny the presence of racism in their values, their belief systems, their social structures. The very country that we live in is built and runs on racism, not Duncan. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. Welcome to This Week in Bachelor Nation. Obviously, there is a lot going on in Bachelor Nation. Just to let you know, we are recording this <laughs> on Wednesday, February 10th at 2.53 p.m. It's going to be coming out on Thursday, February 11th. Who the fuck knows what is going to have happened by that time? But right now... Seriously. One of the biggest events that has ever occurred in the history of the franchise has just taken place in the form of... Chris Harrison going on extra to be interviewed by Rachel Lindsay, the first black bachelorette, about the current Rachel Kirkconnell racism scandal that involves her pictures surfacing that have her at an old South ball, complete in antebellum style dress. That was way back in 2018, though. Ancient history. And that clip that we opened the show with was the first few lines from an eight-minute reaction video to Harrison's interview posted by Michaela Bartholomew, who is one of the two hosts of the Black Chillerettes podcast. I have a link to that video in my stories. I highly recommend that you check it out because it is a very well-said reaction to everything that Chris Harrison talked about. Michaela also went on to do a live with Taylor Nolan where they talked about it more in depth. So, as you know, we do Bachelor Nation news. We do gains of the week. We do our screams from the pit. And as always, we start out every episode with a segment called State of the World. Usually, in that segment, we talk about some broader world news and then we distill it down and tell you how that relates to Bachelor Nation. Because as we always say, 
The Bachelor is the most accurate reflection of American culture currently on television. It is an incredibly important piece of media for this reason. It is not frivolous, guilty pleasure reality television. It is a mainstay in the identity of our culture as Americans. And now what we are going to do this week, instead of talking about a broader piece of news, we are going to talk specifically about a huge piece of news from Bachelor Nation and tell you how that relates to the rest of the world, how it is a reflection of what we're seeing. And so the thing we're talking about is this appearance by Chris Harrison on Extra talking to Rachel Lindsay. And if you have not heard it, we are going to play it in its entirety. It is about 13 minutes long, and then we are going to come out of that and we are going to discuss it. We could not do a regular digging deeper on this because this cannot be cut up into segments. The whole 13-minute clip is every word of it incredibly important so we are going to play it for you now to begin state of the world and then we are going to try to hit every point that we can in it so our state of the world might be a little robust this week but this is how we're starting it because this is insane this event is unbelievable and just a warning this conversation might be triggering i felt very triggered by this conversation so it is about race but dark lord harrison is using a lot of gaslighting and with uh dog whistling and just a whole host of fuckery so just prepare yourselves for that and if you've already heard it if you've watched this video if you've heard the audio of it already and you don't want to sit through it again just fast forward about 13 minutes and you will start to get our commentary on it But this is Game of Roses, State of the World. What are your thoughts about Rachel Kirkinell and the allegations attached to her? A couple of things. First and foremost, I don't know. Um, I haven't talked to Rachel about it. And, And this is, again, where we all need to have a little grace, a little understanding, a little compassion, because I've seen some stuff online, again, this judge jury executioner thing where people are just tearing this girl's life apart and diving into like her parents and her parents voting record and what it's it's unbelievably alarming to watch this i haven't heard rachel speak on this yet and until i actually hear this woman have a chance to speak who am i to say any of this um you know i saw a picture of her at a sorority party five years ago and that's it like boom like okay well this this girl is in this book now and she's now in this group and i'm like really okay well there well, goes the picture was from 2018 at an old south antebellum party so i think you know when you when you it's, it's when you not, hold that under the lens it's not a good look. no it's not a good well rachel is it a good look in 2018 or is it not a good look in 2021 it's because not there's a, a big good difference. look ever because she's celebrating well, the old South. She's cel- if I went to that party, what would I represent I, at that party? I don't, I don't disagree with you. You're, you're 100% right in 2021. That was not the case in 2018. And again, I'm not defending Rachel. I just know that, I don't know, 50 million people did that in 2018 between, you know, it's like there were, that was a type of party that a lot of people went to. And again, I'm not defending it. I didn't go to it. We are not looking under the same lens. And that is, again, the grace and the compassion, the understanding. Would this girl at, I don't know how old she would have been back then, have thought, you know, historically, this mansion stood for this. 
guys, it's not really that woke that we're here. We need to have the understanding and the, and, and the compassion of this history and what this stood for and what these, these people who own this mansion stood for. My guess, these girls got dressed up and went to a party and had a great time. They were 18 years old. Now, does that make it okay? I don't know, Rachel, you tell me, but where is this lens we're holding up and was that lens available and were we all looking through it in 2018? I don't know. I don't I have these answers. The pro yeah, I think that that's the problem is we weren't, you're right, we weren't looking through those lens and, and we should have been. And just because it was a popular right, party, wrong. And just because it's a popular party, you know, doesn't necessarily make it right. And and you are right, and I, I believe you're right in the sense that, you know, maybe there should be some, hey, understanding of, like, not, not everybody knows everything, right? And I think that that's what people are learning or learned in 2020 or started to learn. I think, though, with this situation, with Rachel, I think what's frustrating, and you, and you said it yourself, you said you, she hasn't spoken, spoken out, you haven't heard from her, and there's nothing that contractually stops her from saying, hey, this isn't true. And I think if it were me and my name was being attached to something that wasn't true, I would be coming out and saying something. I would be, and I think well, that's it's, it's what makes it fester a little bit. Yeah, but it's a slippery slope. I mean, a, you know this, you're not going to please everybody, and you can't. And you can't answer to everybody who wants to come and attack you. I mean, I saw some, something that said uh, this person was a registered Republican. Therefore, they are this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Are, are you kidding? Like, how about we just take a step back? And this, like, this is, you are the problem. I know you don't think you're the problem, but now you are indeed the problem when you say, this person voted for this person, therefore they are that. We have to be so careful when we start labeling people. It's it's just as bad as, as what that person did. It's so, you know, it's like, you know, two two wrongs don't make a right here. And and when it comes to Rachel, I, I look at Hannah B and what she did. Um, I, I look at people that have made mistakes. Again, I am not the woke police. There's plenty of people, plenty of people who will do that for us in this world right now. I don't know, like, do you do you go tear all those places down and, and, and tear up the dirt and, and dig deep enough that it erases it? I don't know. Um, you know, when you see San Francisco erasing Lincoln and erasing Washington and erasing people because of what they stood for 180 years ago, I don't know, is that right, is it wrong? The woke police is out there and, and this poor girl, Rachel, who has just been thrown to the lions, I don't know how you are equipped when you have never done this before to be woke enough, to be eloquent enough, to be ready to handle this. And, and my guess is this woman needs a little time. And this is again, what we didn't give Hannah. It's what we didn't give anybody. We don't give people time to have some perspective, to try and drink this in for a second, see how this affects their life and then speak on it. And she will speak, my guess. And when she does, I'm gonna hear her out. And if I disagree with her, if you disagree with her, then we can have our say. But I, I'm not sure why we are in such a hurry to well, throw this poor woman at the bottom of the river. It's been six weeks. We've known about, we've, these allegations have been attached to Rachel since Matt's season started, which was in January. But when do you, when do you jump in? When is, when, when is the time, and, and, and who is Rachel Lindsay, and who is Chris Harrison, and who is whatever woke police person out there? When, who are you? And that's, that's a, I've heard this a lot of like, I think she should. I think he should. Who the hell are you? Who well, are you that you demand this? 
it's not even demanding. It's just more of the affiliation. Your name, like I, I would imagine, Chris, that you would be so enraged that someone is calling you something that's not true, or, or you know, using an adjective on you that's not necessarily true, that you would write, speak out, say something. And I think that's if, more where no, people yes are. Yes and no, though. Yes and no, and, and you get this too. I get this a lot. People drag me all the time. People troll me all the time. They do. And you know what's funny? I get trolled. I get trolled on both sides. Hollywood elite, Hollywood liberal. You're a you're a you're a Trumper. You're a conservative. I honestly get 50-50 trolled on how bad I am on both sides of the aisle, which is really hysterical for me. Um, and so you can't fight that. You you can't come out and fight it. And we there there is also, and it'll be interesting to see when she does speak, and I know she will, that when she does speak, what is the reaction? Because you will not please everybody. You're not going to cure this. There is not a way to unwind it. Now, I think she'll be able to give an eloquent enough reason for most reasonable people, but reasonable people aren't on social media, and that's who you're dealing with. And so are you going to you know cure this are you going to, are, are you going to fix this to a point where people will say okay yeah no this girl really gets it you know she's woke she understands this this is you know the girl who really you know we're going to give a pass to her no no there I will be that, I, i've seen this movie i know where it's going well and, I and think so she's like some, out and i give her that i think there're just some some levels to it where you know one the We've seen problematic contestants before affiliated with the franchise. Rachel's not the first. So I think people have a question of, will the franchise speak out and say something? Will she come out and say something? And then you have another level of the fact that she's dating a black man. And it's it adds more uh, complexity to it. So where because, is that? So that's what, that's interesting too, is where is that in all of this? Uh, and so, when you talk about speaking out or whatever, you know, people look at this as if we're watching this live news story and you're right. It has been six weeks and it's going to play out even longer as long as Rachel is on the show. And, and that I think is important for people to watch this play out because where is the narrative of her falling in love with Matt and where is that in this social conversation we're having? And I love that you and I can have these conversations. You and I have these conversations all the time. And I love that we can debate and talk back and forth and there's a respect and there's a love and there's a grace here. Um, and that's why I love talking to you. The problem is when you are trying to react to something on social media, there is no grace. There is no understanding. There is, you know, this person who wants to get their voice out there and just as loud as they can. And it does not matter what Rachel says or does. Um, where is it if she falls in love with a black man in all of this? I don't know. You again, you tell me. I don't have these I'd be, answers. I'd want to hear I, from Matt. I would want to hear from yeah. Matt. I I almost honestly would direct my questions to him. I would say, you know, like we we know he likes her. We have no idea how this is all going to play out, but hypothetically speaking, if if there's a hometown, if you know like there's a fantasy suite and they have these questions, I would want I we don't know what Matt knew in that moment, but now we we do know what he knows. I'd want to hear what he thinks because he's the person who's directly involved. Within yeah. well, and, and Matt, and I'm sure a lot of this stuff has come to light, you know, during this, you know, like most things, Matt did not dig into this person's history um, like this. And I've seen some stuff that they've dug up and, and a lot of it too is taking a leap. It's like, okay, she was at this party, therefore in 2021, she is this. Uh, she did this back when she was in grade school, therefore she is this. And 
there is a leap there. And again, that's what social media is for. You could take that leap, you could type your little stuff, and then you compile it all together. And you're like, whoa, this, this looks crazy to me. And again, they may be right at the end of the day. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm just going to give her the grace and the, and the time to actually come out and speak. And then hopefully I'll even have a chance to debate her. And I know you will for sure. She'll go on extra or go on your podcast and, and hopefully you'll have a great talk with her. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people will look back at things they did. And I mean, I grew up in Texas in the seventies. I mean, sure. there were, there were games we played on the school ground that are not okay today. Yeah. We weren't woke in 1970. Um, and, and, but we are learning and I hope people have the understanding of, okay, now you look at it through a different lens like okay it's not just a pretty house so where do we weigh this in history and is it do we erase our history or do we learn from it and try and take it from there again i don't know where it lies i don't know where the truth lies i'm not you know running for king of the united states of america to force my decree on everybody but there's a lot of people that are and i i don't know and it hopefully it takes conversations like you and i will have but people will watch this and depending on how it's edited and how it's cut are going to have a serious opinion on on how I'm speaking, and yeah. and of course it, it's and, and luckily I've been around enough, I'm old enough that I I know I'm compassionate, I know I have love, I know I have grace and understanding, and I'm still trying to learn. We all are, and you are. Um, it's not like any group has the high ground on this and has it all figured out. There is no group out there that has it figured out. There's yeah. no group out there that has that has agreed on anything. We're all still trying to figure out where we all stand. Uh, yeah, I, I just think, you know, we'll we'll know more when we hear from her. And I think people just want to hear from her. And um, I'm yeah, very curious to see there. what. Yeah, I'm very I'm very curious to see what what will happen. And will will the show address it or is this on Rachel? No, I know it's not. Well, it's it's first on Rachel. And I think that's that is the most important thing. I don't think it is incumbent upon the Bachelor franchise to speak out on everything that everyone wants to hear about on social media. Just because, you know, the toxic relationships or bullying or whatever, it's like, why hasn't the, the franchise talked about this? Why isn't it talked about Rachel? We're not in the business of, of, of dealing with every problem that you have. <laughs> it's not, that's not how this works. We don't have the time of, of day to, to handle everything that people come up with on social media. What I do think is interesting is the show does push these social issues. And then we will talk about it on the Women Tell All. We do get into it. Um, oh, really? Rachel was, Rachel, Rachel was not there. Um, and so we didn't get into the Rachel of it all. But the, Rachel will have her time to speak. And hopefully I will be there to have that debate with her. And I will push her. You know me well enough. I will push her. I will make it uncomfortable. I will try to hold her feet to the fire as much as I can. And then you guys can be the judge and the jury and figure where, where everything falls after that. And then she'll do her round of press, I'm sure. Um, and so that is going to be how it goes. I don't think the show needs to speak before Rachel does. I don't think that's fair. I agree with you. I actually, I really agree with you on that. I think this is on her, not necessarily the, the, the show. Well, it puts um, her in a box. Whatever we say puts her in a box that now where does she go? Right. Um, and that that will dictate the course of action she has to take and that will in turn make this insincere and so that's not fair if i say something today of like rachel is this or rachel's not this that determines where this conversation goes and that's not fair for rachel i, I want i respect her enough to allow her the the courtesy of time and she can speak on her own 
Thank you for watching. If you want more extra, hit the subscribe button and the bell so you'll never miss a video. Where to even begin? Let's just go through this. We basically have know. made transcripts of the entire thing. We're just going to hit every point he made and then give kind of a general conclusion at the end what we think. First of all, I just want to say Rachel Lindsay kept herself very composed in the face of this assholery and racism enabling racism purely etc from dark lord harrison i would have flipped the fucking table well you can see something happen that's very interesting in it there are already calls like from brett vergara to have her replace him as the host of the show yeah you can see it happening in this interview he's losing his fucking cool usually he's a void a cipher nothing blank slate and that's what you need to be as a host of this show you see it transfer in this interview. He's losing his shit. He's getting mad. She is not. She's like, I can have this conversation with you, dude, even though it's got to be insanely offensive to her. And we're putting all like all of the emotional labor of all of Bachelor Nation is going on to poor Rachel Lindsay here. She's like having to once again take on racism for the whole fucking franchise. It is ins It is an insane burden that has been placed upon her. Absolutely, but she handles it as she always does. She's been put in yeah. this position, and she just runs with it. But let's, before we get into these the generalized kind of reactions, let's fucking break this down. Let's really go through it, because it deserves some mm -hmm. intense scrutiny, in my opinion. In my opinion as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I literally wrote down like every fucking word of this, because I was like, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Why did he even do this? Let's get to all like, of that in the end. Let's, okay. Okay. Yeah. That'll be the end. Let's go details first. Yes. Let's get line <laughs> by line here what this guy is saying. So he says, until I hear from her, Rachel Kirkconnell, I can't make any judgments. And he throws in this thing about people sending him messages about who her parents voted for. And maybe that's more pointed at Matt James because that was a thing about his mom. And Rachel tells him it's not a good look that she went to this plantation ball. He's saying basically like, oh, 2018 is so different. He says it's five years ago. Someone made a meme on Reddit of Dark Lord Harrison's math here. They said 2021 minus 2018 equals five. <laughs> but this idea that like he asked Rachel Lindsay well, is it not a good look in 2018 or is it not a good look in 2021? And Rachel Lindsay goes, it's not a good look ever, which is correct. But 2018 to 2021 are not, it's the same. Like, we're, it's also, not Also, racism, we weren't like made aware of racism in 2020. Racism has been here the whole fucking time. We've dealt with racism scandals on this show for many years, before even 2018. And this kind of strikes the tone of what this entire interview is going to be. He is going to be defending Rachel Kirkconnell and trying to tell you it's not that bad what she did among a whole other host of defenses for her, for the show, et cetera, et cetera. But this is how it starts. It's, well, it was 2018. That was a different time. And then he fucking says 50 million people attended these parties in 2018. <laughs> but I'm not defending it. I didn't do it. I didn't go to these parties. It's like, who are these fucking 50 million people? What are you talking about? Where the fuck is he getting that statistic? Fifth, as we all know, 50 million people went to antebellum parties. What? 
he's just making this shit up to try and justify it. That it's like, well, if enough and people did it, then it's fine. And by the way, this is the exact fucking argument that is counter to the idea of racism. It's like, well, if enough yes. people are racist, then it's fine. It's like, no, that's the, you can't have that fucking way of thinking. And using terms like, it's a slippery slope. Like, oh, then that means we're going to have to get rid of, what, we're just going to kill all the white people? I feel like that was his vibe. His entire thing in this was not any recognition that Rachel Kirkconnell could have done anything possibly wrong. It was that she is the victim, that she is, quote unquote, being thrown in the river, and that the woke people, I mean, we'll get to the woke stuff but i can't like stop getting ahead of myself in this i'm i literally i'm at my rage meter has never been higher than it was today watching this video like i said i wanted to cut this thing up into clips so that we could address each one of them and i was just like it can't yeah. be done it's 13 minutes of him like every word he says is terrible he's saying oh people's voting record is being brought up you know, he is also, it's not just Matt James and Patty James, but his voting record has been thrown around the internet that he's been a registered Republican for the last four years. But also this idea that a voting record doesn't matter, especially in the last four years when that means you voted for Donald Trump. Of course yeah. it fucking matters. It's one of the most fundamental things about American identity right now. We are split into two countries who you voted for, which side of that rift you're on is one of the most crucial components of your identity as a citizen of this fucking country. So for him to just dismiss it like this, again, is one of these weird defenses that just, it doesn't work. Your voting record does matter. That is like one of our major ways that we make change in the country. And your voting record especially matters when we've just had a fucking violent insurrection by the ex-president led by the ex-president because he's trying to say that votes are fraudulent who by the way let's relate this to the broader scope of the world how this is going uh -huh. on right now how does this relate to the world <laughs> the fucking senate is currently in their trial of donald oh, yeah. trump for minor detail his for second impeachment trial exactly. is ongoing <laughs> dlh said all this during the second impeachment trial We've got Dark Lord Harrison defending racism to the first black bachelorette. At the same time, we've got the current ex-president on trial for inciting a racist mob to overthrow the Capitol. These things are completely related. They are mirror images of one another. Yeah. He, here where he's talking about registered Republicans, he's, he says something like, you are the problem, and when you say this person is this, therefore they are this, like... Oh, they voted for Trump, therefore they're racist. And it's like, Dark Lord Harrison, excuse me? This is not the problem. The problem here is the fucking racism. The problem is that our country has never actually contended with our incredibly racist past and that slavery didn't actually end. We still have it. It's just... It just looks a little different. His next fucking line in this. My guess is these girls got dressed and went to a party and had a great time. What the fuck? 
<laughs> that's not just getting dressed up and going to a party. It's putting on the costume of slave owners and pretending like that was a romantic, fun era in humanity for everybody. It's not just going to a party, dude. And I don't know if he doesn't get that or if he does and he's just trying to minimize it. I don't know what is true there, but one is definitely true. I don't know. Either way, it's bad. I mean, Rachel says at some point, she's like, what role would I have played at this party? Dark Lord Harrison doesn't even contemplate that for one fucking second. He doesn't see this situation outside of his incredible white privilege. He can't even... He can't even, like use his imagination to even picture how it might be for Rachel Lindsay. I just like the myopic way that he views the situation is incredible to me. And I I guess I'm not surprised because he lives in this bubble. He lives in the Dan Crenshaw Instagram feed bubble mm-hmm. where he's just like, oh my God, the woke police. There's a moment in here where Rachel Lindsay says the thing that's frustrating about the situation is that Rachel Kirkconnell hasn't spoken out and there's nothing that Mm -hmm. contractually stops her from speaking out. However, Reality Steve on his Instagram live with Ashley Spivey this week said that indeed ABC and the producers have told her to say nothing. And now that it's gaining steam and it's getting bigger, they are going to allow her to issue a 100 word response via Instagram or Twitter or something. And that is it. So the network and the production company is controlling exactly how she's reacting in this. Because she's the ring winner. I mean, this is, we'll get I mean, to it, but I, of course. Yeah, I, she must be. Um, he then says, two wrongs don't make a right. He is equating labeling people as racist, holding them accountable with committing racist acts going to racist-themed parties. He is saying, those are both two wrongs. You know, Matt James holding up the 50-50 hands. That's DLH in this moment. You know, I don't know. Calling someone a racist versus being a racist. Those are both bad. And he keeps doing this thing where he's like, look, I'm not the woke police. There's plenty of people who will do that for us. Shitting on people who want to hold people accountable, inadvertent or implicitly, with using phrases like that. Yes. But this idea that it's also, he knows there is an attitude that this is all wrong. And he's like, that's not my job to determine that. I'm just here to fucking spin lies and basically keep the show afloat. That's kind of the attitude that he's giving. (laughs) He says woke maybe 300,000 times in this interview in such a mocking tone, like, Trying to be progressive and not cause harm and hold racists accountable is this horrifying, disgusting prospect. And he says here, again, he like says SF, like it's a disgusting, horrible place and says, oh, I see SF erasing Lincoln and Washington because of what they stood for. Is that right? It's like a bad people on both sides kind of argument. It is literally the bizarro. I'm traumatized by this. It is literally the bizarro world inverse of Donald Trump good people on both sides. He's using bad people on both sides argument. Same argument, but the reverse, the yin to Trump's yang. And then he says the woke police is out there and this poor girl, she's just being thrown to the lions. Meanwhile, 
the show is the fucking lions. All of this is happening because the show has promoted her in a certain way. All of this negative shit that's happening to all the other players getting bullied, et cetera, et cetera, it is because the show creates these characters out of people and they put them in the spotlight and then they either don't come to their defense, actively destroy them, whatever they have to do. But now they're trapped because Corcano clearly wins this season and they have to do something about this. They're also responsible for not vetting hard enough. You know, I wanted to get to this later, but might as well just talk about it now. It's either because the producers knew she was racist or had these racist things in her past. I don't know if she is racist now. Who knows? We'll wait for her statement. But certainly she engaged in the very recent past in racist activity. The producers either knew this and put her on the show because of it, or they did not know about it. In either case, either through ineptitude or maliciousness, they have caused this situation. It is their fault. And yes, Rachel Kirkconnell will have to stand accountable for her actions and all this kind of stuff, but the show yeah, can't be Rachel's exempt. Yeah, it's Rachel's fault too. For sure. For sure it is. I'm not saying that it's not. But for the show to stand back and take no responsibility in this is fucking insane. And if they want to avoid things like this in the future, you have to get producers who are better or you have to get producers who don't do this on purpose. Again, one of those two things is true. They put her in this show specifically to blow this up or they didn't know about it. In either case, those should not be the people making this show. I tend to lead toward lean towards the ineptitude at this point, but... Because I don't think this is ideal for them. <laughs> They're fucking ring winners at these parties. I is mean, it or is it not, though? Let's see what happens to the ratings next week. I'm very curious right. to see how that affects, because that's all they give a fuck about. How many people are watching our show? How many dollars will we get for our ads in the show? If this spikes their fucking numbers, they're happy as fuck. And if DLH has to take the hit for it, so be it. He calls Rachel Kirkconnell this quote-unquote poor woman. By the way, may I, like, he has not said, oh, maybe this has harmed the other players of color on the show, the Bachelor Nation, the people of Bachelor Nation who are people of color, etc. He doesn't acknowledge any harm except the harm that is being done to Rachel Kirkconnell. And he says, I don't know how you're equipped when you've never done this before to be woke enough, to be eloquent enough. My guess is this woman needs a little time. Also extremely patronizing that she's like a small child. She is an mm-hmm. adult woman. It's what we didn't give Hannah. I'm going to hear her out. So he is <laughs> not only defending Rachel Kirkconnell's racist actions, he is also inserting in here, hey, by the way, everyone was way too harsh on Hannah Brown for saying the N-word on Instagram Live. And I'm just going to get my feelings about that out here now as well. And it's this idea of giving people time that I just cannot understand. The whole idea. Yeah, he's he's playing time cop for Hannah Brown. The whole idea of what's been going on with Black Lives Matter, at least to me, is that like time's fucking up. You've had enough time. Shit has to change immediately right now with every TV show we're seeing every way that the media is presenting all of this fucking shit and to be down all the fucking confederate statues tear down all of the monuments to racism etc and to say that 
Hannah Brown didn't get enough time because she said the fucking N word on an Instagram live is like she took two weeks to self reflect and whatever and whatever and didn't lose any Instagram followers. Didn't even have to like continue to do anti racist work. She doesn't appear to be doing any of that. Hasn't seemed to change her life in the slightest. DLH here is doing as much as he can to paint these poor white women as the victims in this situation. Yes. And Rachel says, by the way, when he says there's not enough time, she goes, it's been six weeks. At DLH, DLH is like, who is Rachel Lindsay? And who is Chris Harrison? And who is whatever woke person? Who are you? Who the hell are you that you're demanding this? So is that argument basically nobody has a right to say anything about anything? Yes. I'm still fuming. And like the more I look at the words that he has said, the angrier I am. Because it's just, it's such, it's such a snapshot of like white male privilege that is just perfectly encapsulated in this interview. Him fucking talking down to Rachel Lindsay and acting, who the, who are you to say? Like, I'm sorry, the person that you have put all BIPOC experiences on and caused and have forced to defend everything and hold everyone accountable that's who this person is this person that you have like placed this gigantic burden upon the show created rachel Lindsay's platform to be the person who is going to speak on every one of these issues and yeah i mean dark lord harrison you can't be pissed at that and yet he is here he tries to undermine her authority in the situation but then he tries to buy it back who am i who is anyone but he starts out with and who is Rachel Lindsay? That's the first piece of this. That's mm-hmm. the first attack. And then he tries to walk it back a little. Who am I? Who, who is anybody? And then Rachel says, it's more than just an affiliation with the show. Imagine, I, w- I imagine you would be enraged if people were saying things that weren't true about you. And DLH is like, oh, believe me, I get trolled on both sides. It's 50-50. Some people think I'm a Trumper and some people this. So why not eliminate half of the trolling you get by right there telling us who you voted for and what your political affiliation is? He doesn't do that. He just rolls this thing off. It's like, people, you can't please anyone. I get people hating me from both sides. He says, you will not please everybody. You're you're not going to cure this. And this is maybe one of the lines that made me the most angry um, because it's essentially suggesting, hey, you're not going to fully cure racism. Why fucking try? And like people are going to be mad no matter what you say. So don't even apologize. Don't even issue a statement like it's it's a losing battle. There's no point. And it's like, why should we even try? What? What we should just accept society as it is. We should just accept everything that we're fucking dealt. Don't try to change anything. The status quo is perfection. And at the end of this, he tacks on, you're not going to please everyone because reasonable people aren't on social media. And that's who you're dealing with. (laughs) He attacks the entirety of social media, which is the primary world, by the way. That's where we now live. It's why your show is still even on the air, DLH. Yes. The Bachelor is social media. as w- So is the Instagram and the Twitter and the TikTok and everything else that is attached to it. It's how we get our president. We talk a lot on the show about that. The, the primary world now is social media. 
That's where we live and do everything. And for him to attack it, to marginalize it, like social media is just full of fucking people who are mean and unreasonable. It's like you're on yeah. fucking social media, dude. The Bachelor has a fucking Instagram account. Reasonable people aren't on social media. It's sort of like a um, a vague allusion to the silent majority that a lot of Republican voters were talking about before the election. That oh yeah, like all the woke police are all on social media, but the silent reasonable majority are actually on my side. DLH says, is this going to cure it? So people are like, she's woke. I've seen this movie. I know where this is going. It's just like, it's, it's so horrible to watch Rachel Lindsay trying to talk to him through this. Like they, they need to fucking replace him with her. I totally agree. That's their only move here. Literally their only move. We will see what happens, but DLH goes on to say, you know, people look at this like they're watching a live news story. This is a live news story. This is essentially the commissioner of a professional sport giving a 13-minute ultra-racist tirade interview to ESPN. I mean, (laughs) that's what we're fucking literally watching here. Yeah. And then he goes, I love that you and I can have these conversations. We can have these conversations all the time and we can talk and debate back and forth. What's the fucking debate here? What is the debate? There's no conversation. He's not listening to Rachel Lindsay. But I mean, what are even the two positions? Hers is clearly the show's fucking racist and Rachel Kirkconnell did some racist shit. Is he taking the opposite opinion? Is he the yes. fucking... <laughs> I mean, what's He's taking the, the reasonable debate? person position. The silent non-social media using reasonable people he's on their side he says she did this way back in 2018 she did this in grade school he is equating 2018 with grade school she was in fucking elementary school when she's 21 years old yeah she had some oh yeah he keeps saying she was 18 when she was 21 also it's just all fucking gaslighting and i i feel crazy watching it And he says, he's basically like telling Rachel Lindsay, everyone should have grace. He keeps using this word grace for Rachel and Hannah B saying the N word. And I'm fuming. He says, you see, there's no more room for grace in this world anymore. And he also says, it's not incumbent on the franchise to speak out. Which also... He says this later in the interview. He's like, the show's not going to speak out on it until Rachel does. It's like, you are the show. You are representing the show. How else would the show speak out on it? By He means by issuing an official statement. So far, their official statement is coming from him in this interview, and it's a laissez-faire. We got nothing to do with this. He talks about growing up in Texas in the 70s. Games were played on the school ground <laughs> that were not okay today. We weren't woke in 1970. What? the fuck kind of racist schoolyard games was dark lord harrison playing in the 70s in texas he's kind of trying to make the argument like no he's saying like we're all a little racist <laughs> well i think that he's saying it was Which? a different time but even in this let's even grant him okay perfect argument sir <laughs> what you're saying here is exactly correct <laughs> it's the 1970s versus 2018 <laughs> I mean, 50 fucking years ago, dude. 
And it's also not okay whether it's in the 70s or 2018. Like, Exactly. It's never been okay. And this idea that like woke is a bad thing or that holding people accountable is a bad thing. He just keeps hitting that again and again and again in this entire argument. And it's not just about defending Rachel Kirkconnell, which certainly was his primary motivation throughout this entire thing. And I'm sure... Certainly. I'm sure he had many conversations with the producers of the show, with ABC executives before he went into this interview. They gave him his marching orders. And one of them is you have to basically defend her because she's our ring winner. Like we have to minimize this as much as possible. But he keeps hitting these weirder arguments that aren't just in defense of her or like give her time that are like, look, shit used to be more racist. (laughs) That's just how it is. Yeah. And it's like, yes, that's correct. Things were tolerated more that were more openly racist. Absolutely. He's like, I didn't know about racism until 2020 when I posted my black box and then I deleted it. But like all I think people are asking for now is that accountability to be able to say like, yes, this was fucked up. We've learned from it and we won't repeat these fucking mistakes. Instead, he's just like, they weren't mistakes in that era. It was fine to do that. It was like it was never fine. 50 million people went to this party you understand give him grace and then he says do we erase the majority the majority of people were doing this grace them up and then he says do we erase our history or do we learn from it and try to take it from there i'm not running for king of america to force my decree on everybody (laughs) but there's a lot of people that are (laughs) king of america (laughs) he's bypassing the presidency he's going straight to king i mean I that was something that I thought from this interview but I was like oh DLH is gonna get fired that was my first thought and then my second thought was oh he is gonna run for office and he's gonna run on this Dan Crenshaw-esque platform of like oh my god the fucking woke police forced me out of this show that I am the father of like woke police have gone too far I can see his campaign speeches now he says people will watch this and depending on how it's edited and cut they're going to have certain reactions. This is a high-level attempt to diffuse what he knows will be backlash from this. It was all in the editing. I'm not taking any responsibility for anything I'm saying. Meanwhile, all they do on The Bachelor is edit people to fuck them over and get the entire Bachelor Nation to fucking hate them or love them or whatever. It's like, motherfucker, you of all people cannot use editing as a defense. You're the one who fucking destroys lives with editing. You're the one who literally fucking edited in Britney's entire storyline about being a sex worker that could have destroyed her life. The show and Chris Harrison could have made the decision to not include that, and it would have saved her how much trauma, how much torment. Instead, they not only included it, they made it the main storyline of an entire episode. And there's an implication here that what? There were parts of this edited out where he gives grace to non-white racists i'm not sure what was edited out certainly there are some moments cut you can tell the edits in it for sure but i don't know what they took out i don't know what the raw footage is but what we got is fucking what we got and that's what we're going he doesn't the entire thing he doesn't say one single time that racism is bad that what she did was bad that things like this are bad. He doesn't say anything like that the entire time. The only things that he gives a negative light to are the woke police are 
<laughs> all users of social media. Um, <laughs> yeah, he defends the action. The party wasn't that bad. San Francisco. <laughs> 50 million people went to this party. They were just at a party having some fun. He then defends Kirkconnell herself for not yep. saying anything. Give her some time. Give her some grace. And then he, I mean, we'll get to it in a second, but he goes on to defend the show for having no responsibility in any of this. He says there's no group out there that has any high ground here. We're all still trying to learn. There's no group out there that has agreed on anything. Sorry, what? I think there are some groups who have agreed on some things. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck is he talking about? This, again, is the bad guys on both sides. This is like nobody and knows there anything. there are groups who, whose entire mission is anti-racist action. And I'm sorry, but they have some moral authority on this. I look to black organizers when I'm seeing, you know, how they feel about certain things that are happening. There are authorities on this because there are people who are experts in this not dlh dlh is clearly not an expert in race relations but the idea of like there's nobody out there who's agreed on anything so like every person is just like well i don't know racism seems bad but we can't seem to agree on that (laughs) it's fucking insane and then rachel asks him if the show's going to address this or if it's all on rachel and dlh says It's first on Rachel, and it's not the show's responsibility to speak out on everything people want to hear about on social media. Again, even though they created this situation, either purposely or through negligence. And they're not allowing her to speak out. (laughs) And then DLH says, we're not in the business of dealing with every problem you have. We don't have the time to handle everything people come out with on social media. It's like, dude, you made this happen. And now you're taking no fucking responsibility for it whatsoever. And even as you're trying to defend Rachel a little bit, you're still throwing her under the bus. It's first on Rachel. Totally. So his ultimate allegiance is not even to the player that they're fucking here who is going to win a ring, very certainly. And they're trying to defend her and prop her up. Like, this this season is done now. It's going to just crumble. No one gives a fuck about anything but this. Yeah, to be clear... He is aligning himself with Rachel, but he is still extremely patronizing to her, calling her poor girl, saying like she's, you know, how could she possibly have the wherewithal to deal with this situation? Like she couldn't, she's not a, she's not an adult. Oh, she was in grade school. I'm sorry. Nobody is coming after Rachel Kirkconnell for shit she did in elementary school. That is a fucking lie. He is the father of lies, as we know. He says on the Women Tell All, we do get into it. Rachel was not there. A bit of a spoiler here, obviously, because she is one of the finalists. But Rachel will have no time to speak. I didn't even realize that. What's that? (laughs) I didn't even recognize that, that that was a spoiler, that she's not there. Yeah. And he says, but she will have her time to speak and I will push her. And I will make it uncomfortable. Clearly, DLH can make things uncomfortable. We are witnessing that before our very eyes. And DLH says, I don't think the show needs to speak before Rachel does. And then Rachel Lindsay agrees, and DLH says, whatever we say puts her in a box. And where does she go? The entire show's purpose is putting people in boxes and presenting whatever versions of them they want us to see. Brittany as a sex worker. Where the fuck does Brittany go after you put her in that box? It's enraging to listen to this. He is just spouting lies. And then the cherry on top of this entire interview which we included here in the audio portion of it, 
is you get Billy Bush at the end of the YouTube clip. If you want more extra, hit the subscribe button and the bell so you'll never miss a video. I lost my fucking mind at Billy Bush. What? (laughs) Billy Bush is the guy who was in the bus with Donald Trump when he said his famous locker room talk line. And he is now the man who is giving you the hit the like and subscribe button at the end of Dark Lord Harrison's racist downfall tirade (laughs) to Rachel Lindsay. It is all connected. If you have any doubt about that at this point, I mean, it can't be any clearer. So that was kind of our line by line breakdown. We broke into some general stuff there as well. But my, I mean, one of my main general questions is why did he do this? I just, I don't get why he did it. It just seems so stupid. And I guess it is just this, you're living in a bubble and you don't see, you only see your point of view on something and and you're also not seeing the point of view of your super fans, your Bachelor subreddit. You're not seeing how people of color are going to take any of this and not that they're a big part portion of the audience but they are a portion you're not seeing how white people who are uh, I guess unreasonable are going to take this as well as an unreasonable white person I want this to be his downfall <laughs> like this is completely unacceptable I have a theory as to why he did this. I think he was sent on that show to do damage control, obviously, for this mm-hmm. scandal that's getting bigger and bigger. It ain't going away. They try to just say, like, let's not address this and people will forget about it. That's not happening. More pictures yeah. are coming out. It's getting bigger. So they're like, you got to go it on. It has been six weeks. You got to do this, Dark Lord. And he's like, all right, fine. They have their meeting. Here are your talking points. What she did was in her past. She's going to have a chance to speak on it, but not yet. Give her some time and, you know, ease up on the bullying. Like, people online are crazy. Those are kind of his talking points, yeah. right? He goes on, and we've been seeing cracks in Dark Lord Harrison's armor for the past, really, year. When uh, everything went into lockdown for COVID, and everybody was telling him he needed to post a black square and all this shit, and he did it begrudgingly, you could tell this shit was getting to him. There were little things mm-hmm. he said once where it was like, well... You know, we're trying to shoot in California, but maybe we'll have to go to Texas because they got their shit together. Remember that? Yeah. It was oh, yeah. these little digs at like liberal states, at anything happening in Black Lives Matter, all that type of shit. Here, it reached the boiling point. This was the fucking straw that broke the camel's back. I think he back. went off script. Yes. I think he went off script and his innate racism, misogyny, you know, kind of like the world's changing and I don't like it because I'm a whatever fucking 50 year old white dude that just broke through. And that's what all 13 minutes of this fucking interview are. I mean, there wasn't anything else breaking through in it. I'll say that it seemed like the tirade of an angry old white dude. Indeed. And now we have some reactions happening around the internet. Ashley Spivey has called out Chris Harrison in a message on her Instagram stories that reads, 
Chris Harrison is a racist and his words matter. If the franchise is serious about moving into the future and honoring the effort to be more diverse, that future should not include a racist host that minimizes the experience of black people. Can this man? She and Taylor Nolan both posted this petition that is going around to remove Chris Harrison from the Bachelor franchise. That petition currently has... 8,959 signatures of a stated goal of 10,000. Oh, 8,964, 8,965, 8,968. That will be the rest of this podcast. It's just, it's fucking going up. Like, pop, 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 pop. Petition updates. Um, we posted this on our story, too, if anybody wants to sign it. Emma Gray posted a few tweets talking about this. The last of which reads, also, Rachel Lindsay is so generous in giving to this franchise, we do not deserve her. Rachel Lindsay replied to this with a tweet that said, my days are numbered. We don't know if that means she thinks the show (laughs) is going to excommunicate her or she's fucking done with it, but that is her attitude on this at the moment. Mike Johnson also posted in his Instagram stories that he will have something to say about this very soon. And there is a Huffington Post article all about this that calls Chris Harrison utterly incompetent and unprepared to be the spokesperson for a franchise that has expressed interest in doing better when it comes to racial diversity. So that's where we are with this. It is the biggest news in Bachelor Nation. Obviously, we're not going to cover it in news because we've done a lot of coverage of it right here in State of the World. But this is the world we're living in. Chris Harrison is not an isolated individual. There are many people just like Chris Harrison, who feel exactly like this about all race matters in the United States right now. Taylor Nolan posted the petition, and she also said, go ahead, feel free to share the petition with all the black square in June, performative white female former contestants from the show, too, so they can actually practice their anti-racism and show that they actually do give a shit about black people. This is a great opportunity for anti-racism and allyship work. Truly is. I can't wait to see it, except I won't. That's hilarious. (laughs) I've gotten a few messages from people asking if he gets removed, how will it change our podcast because he's like the logo for our show and everything? Yeah. I don't think it'll change our podcast at all. Get Rachel Lindsay in there. I'd be happy to make it. I do think we can update our logo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whoever the host is. If it's Rachel Lindsay, I would make a beautiful, angelic Rachel Lindsay with glowing light behind her. The demonic Dark Lord Harrison looks that way because he is this guy. Whatever art I make of these people, I always try to kind of reflect whatever I see in them, you know? And if the show does want to take a turn and get somebody in the driver's seat who is better then that'll be our logo. We'll change it. I have no problem with that. We're the Yes. I think new show art is, you know, another great reason to can him. Yeah. <laughs> Let us get some new art in there. But that's the conversation that's being had right now. Will he be able to weather the storm? Does he even want to? There's a piece of me that thinks this was just kind of his blaze of glory. Like fuck it, this I'm is done blaze with of the glory? show. A BOG? Yeah. He's made <laughs> enough DLH money. BOG? He fucking moved to Texas. I think he's going to run for politics. I think this may be it for him. This will be his last season. God, I am so wondering about what Lauren Zima's reaction to this is. She's like, I just moved to Texas for this man, the face of the franchise, and he has just lit himself on fire. Well, I mean, imagine like, remember what Becca Kufrin went through with Garrett Ugarian? 
and everybody was like, dude, you got to dump him. He's a racist piece of shit. He votes for Trump, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Is Lawrence about it to just years. undergo an intent? Like, how crazy is going? How crazy is it going to be for her now online? Because she has to issue some statement mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Either in support of him What's or do? I can't believe he did this. Give him grace. I don't know. But God. there you have it. That is the Wild. state of the world. And we're obviously going to be talking about this through other segments because this is, it's the biggest thing that has happened in terms of something Chris Harrison has said in direct reference to how the show treats race, how the show is treating this player specifically, and their role or involvement in being responsible for how these things are actually conveyed through the show. So we expect a lot more news to be breaking around this, and uh, we will do our best to cover it all for you guys. But thank you for listening to The State of the World. We are now going to move into some other areas of the show, the first of which, of course, is... This Week in Games. As you know, we are charting the ratings of the show and the Instagram gains of all the players for this season. So let's jump in. The sixth week of Matt James' historic season, which saw the removal of the final member of the Mean Girl Tribe, MJ, and the elimination of Katie Thurston after a historic double hooju one-on-one date that included an assault of Tyler Cameron, took a dip in ratings from last week. The game pulled in a 1.4 in the key demo of adults 18 to 49, down almost 5% from last week, with 5.47 million total viewers, which was down about half a percent as well. Will the Kirkconnell racism scandal fuel higher ratings in the weeks to come as we anticipate some reaction from her being included in the show? Time will tell. Matt James is up 31K, bringing him to a total of 862,000 followers closing in on that magic 1 million mark. If he can cross the threshold, he will only be the second black player to have done so. The first is, of course, our most recent crown, Tasha Adams. And now let's get into the top five follower gains as recorded from last Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021, to today, February 10th, 2021. The gold medal in gains this week goes to the player who has produced the highest single-week gain so far this season, adding 105,000 new followers to what is now the highest Instagram total for any player this season at 335,000. It is our next Bachelorette, Katie Thurston. Although it was her swan song performance this week, she put on a display of professional one-on-one play like we have never seen complete with what we believe is a first-of-its-kind double one-on-one hooju, including a night hooju. As we now know, Thurston is the next Bachelorette, and it seems like her gains are only going to continue once that announcement is made by the show in the near future. It seems unlikely that anyone will catch her on her way to the Million Club and beyond. If there were any player to catch her, though... It seems like it might be the winner of the distant silver medal in gains this week. Georgian superstan of Southern history, Rachel Kirkconnell, with 57000 for her first responder role this week, bringing her into the 300K club at 314,000 followers. And the bronze medal for gains this week goes to the socialite from the Big Apple, Kit Keenan. 
36000 for her colorful narration on the group date, bringing her total to 228000 placing her firmly in that 200 k club. Fourth place went to consistent gains juggernaut Abigail Herringer. She saw a gain of 29000 for a bachelor's preference, kiss play, gutter play, and tear play, bringing her to 283,000 followers total. Fifth place, we have the last remaining member of the JV squad, Michelle Young, gaining 14.5,000, bringing her total to 71,000 for her group date competitive play, both in bowling and in chemistry with Matt James, earning her a valuable GDR group date rose. Other notable gains include... Heather Martin gaining 12.5K for her attempt at a veteran on a second tour for Quarantine Fools Edit, complete with pizza box slash Rapunzel hair play, bring her to 252,954 followers total. Chelsea Vaughn gained 9.7 thousand for bringing her walls down on the group date, bringing her to 50.2K total. Piper James only gained 8.8K for her perfectly played one-on-one date, wall game, love language PTC, tears, upping her love level to love level three, and one-on-one rows, bringing her to 21.5K total. Jacinia Cruz gained 7,000 for her two-on-one victory over the weak bitch energied MJ, bringing her to 27,000K total. Maggie Tariq. Gained 6.8K for her swan song elimination bump and perfect limo exit speech, bringing her to 34.7K total. And Serena P hauled in an impressive 6.1 thousand for her love level 3 raise as well as for psychologically sabotaging Abigail Herringer on the group bowling date. Getting her to gutter, bringing her (laughs) to 48.8K. I'm obsessed with that play. Smallest gain crown went to Victoria Larson, losing 700 followers, bringing her to 61.4K total. I'm surprised by this loss, this loss by Victoria. And now we just want to talk a little bit about the importance of the Instagram numbers this season, especially as it relates to our opening state of the world with Dark Lord Harrison's racist tirade. The top five Instagrams from this season so far are Katie Thurston is in first place at 335K, Rachel Kirkconnell's in second at 314, Abigail Herringer at 283, Kit Keenan at 228, and Sarah Trot at 193. We don't know what Abigail Herringer's background is, but the top Instagrams are consistently appearing to be the white players. Um... Certainly no black players are among these top five. And the show is certainly giving the white players more meaningful story arcs, more screen time. But this also is showing us that Bachelor Nation is not following any of the black players. None of the black players have gotten above, are in the 100K club. And you have a player like Sarah Trott, who was eliminated weeks ago. She's approaching 200K doesn't seem to be stopping. She's still getting some some gains each week. Bree Springs has the highest. She's at 87.6K. Michelle Young, 71K. Chelsea Vaughn, 50.2K. I looked at this number and I was like, 
Chelsea Vaughn is literally doing everything perfectly on social media. Everything we would coach a player to do during this period of time. It's a mix of glamour, professional photography shots. She's creating these funny TikTok videos that have hundreds of thousands of views on TikTok that correspond with this week's play, etc. She's doing everything right. She only has 50,000 followers. It's remarkable. Serena P is at 48.8K. Maggie Tariq is at 34.7K. Piper James, 21.5K. And Piper's bump this week for her one-on-one only being 8K, it's way behind, you know, Kit Keenan. I couldn't even come up with a reason for her gains. I was like, ah, she did a little colorful narrator. But the players of color are still getting less screen time. They are not getting the story arcs that the players, the white players have been getting. I mean, the main story arcs that we've been following have been Sarah Trott, Victoria Larson, Katie Thurston. And it continues on like that. But as we know, the parasocial world is the primary world. It is important. All of these players go on this show to become influencers. This is a career path for them. So please follow Bree Springs, follow Michelle Young, Chelsea Vaughn, Serena P., Maggie Tariq, Piper James, all of the players of color. Follow them, like all their posts, share their posts, help these players become fucking influencers because they are in this game. They are playing this game that we like and the show is giving them a shitty end of this stick. But we can actually change that. If we follow them in enough yeah. numbers, it doesn't matter what the show does. They're going to get spawn con deals. They're going to be able to be influencers as well on the same level as any of the other players. I saw... I think it might have been Taylor Nolan who posted this. It was a hierarchy of engagement that matters for influencers. And I think the number one was saving the posts. Um, That little Hmm. bookmark thing on the right. And then it was number one. It was engage in this order. Number one, most important, saving a post. That little bookmark thing on the right. Number two is sharing a post. That's DMing it or... Um, posting it to your story number three was commenting on a post and number four was liking a post so that's actually the least important engagement but all engagement is important and appreciated and don't forget about our past players like rachel Lindsay. she's actually backsliding now she is sub 900k she was getting close to a million now she's at eight hundred ninety-seven thousand. I think likely due to her outspoken stance against racism and bachelor nation so go follow her if you're not already following her Let's get her number up if possible. Mike Johnson, similarly, 627K. He was almost The Bachelor. Come on. Let's get him up there. (laughs) By the way, someone asked me what I thought about Matt James this season. And it... I realize that every time I see him on screen, I'm picturing Mike Johnson and how much more charismatic and engaging he would have been than, than Matt James. And... It's just like truly disappointing that he wasn't The Bachelor. He was too much of a wild card, loose cannon. I don't think the producers, I think the producers knew they couldn't control him in the same way that they can control Matt James. Unfortunately. That's absolutely true. I don't think Matt James has done 
anything of his own volition this season. But that does it for gains this week. And now, before we get to Bachelor Nation news, please enjoy this word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News, we talked about this at length in State of the World, but it is the biggest news in Bachelor Nation. So a little more detail about the Rachel Kirkconnell situation. A series of racially insensitive photos surfaced depicting her participation in an Old South plantation-themed fraternity ball just three years ago in 2018. Kirkconnell was already facing parasocial scrutiny for a series of likes she issued to several Instagram posts that featured her friends in indigenous costumes, ponchos and sombreros, and even standing in front of the Confederate flag. Kirkconnell is emerging as a star player this season, and the first official acknowledgement of this scandal came by way of the DLH Extra interview we talked about at the beginning of this show. There is no doubt that The Bachelor has employed openly racist casting practices throughout its history, and it is not out of the realm of possibility to think that Kirkconnell's addition to the player pool was designed specifically to insert racism into the historic first season to feature a Black Bachelor in 18 years. The same casting strategy was widely theorized to have been used in season 13 of The Bachelorette when Lee Garrett whose social media revealed several easily found racist posts, was cast opposite Rachel Lindsay, the first Black Bachelorette, and they made a story out of it with Lee Garrett that season. As we said, this is going to be a developing story probably for the rest of this season and beyond. We will be covering it as it breaks. God, what if he's fired by the time this this episode drops? <laughs> What would they do with the rest of the season? He's in every episode. They shot the women tell all. Yeah. I don't think they can fire him until this season finishes airing at the very least. And I don't think he'll be fired. I think he'll, in quotes, retire. Bachelor superfan Brett Vergara tweeted, Instead of Chris Harrison releasing a notes app apology to Rachel Lindsay for that disturbing interview in a few hours or days, how about ABC just gives her his job? Very succinctly put. Couldn't agree more. Up next in Bachelor Nation News, something we've also talked about already, but Katie Thurston is reported to be the next Bachelorette. On Saturday, Bachelor creator Mike Fleiss tweeted a tease for the official announcement, but Reality Steve broke the news via a tweet of his own, revealing that Thurston was announced as the next player to wear the crown at the upcoming Women Tell All. In the wake of DLH appearing on Extra to refute the claim that anyone was announced as Bachelorette at the Women Tell All, 
And Mari Pepin's response to his tweet with the single word false, Reality Steve has amended his reporting to say that although it doesn't happen at the Women Tell All, Thurston will still be announced as the next player to wear the crown, making her the lowest place finisher in history to be promoted to the royal title of Bachelorette. Here at Game of Roses, we have now correctly predicted Dale Moss's record-breaking victory in Season 16, Matt James' historic promotion to Bachelor in Season 25, and now the 18th player to wear the crown of Bachelorette. By the way, someone messaged us and was like, you're selling yourself short. We also predicted that Brie would win Listen to Your Heart. (laughs) That's a lesser prediction in my opinion. I don't take credit for that one. Next up in Bachelor Nation news, Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. In a further entanglement of the NFL and our beloved game, a whole host of Bachelor players were in Florida this week for the Super Bowl. They attended various super spreader events throughout the city and posted the video and photographic proof of their nonchalant dismissal of public safety measures to all forms of social media. Jason Tardick, PP, and Baylock I competed in a WWE celebrity sweat beach flag football game, which was at least outside. Tyler Cameron and Matt James attended a crowded club, and even Kelly Flanagan and PP were spotted at the musical event themselves. All, of course, maskless. Speaking of Kelly and PP, our next item of Bachelor Nation news involves photos and videos that came out (laughs) proving their cavalier attitude about the 3,000 Americans dying every day, but also proving that their meeting in Tampa was the catalyst for speculation that the couple might be attempting to patch things up. Hours after the images made their rounds on social media, outlets like E! Online and People were reporting that the defunct parasocial power couple were indeed working on their relationship. It is still unknown what broke the couple up, but it seems like they might both be willing to overlook it in favor of making more cringe videos together in the very near future. Next up in Bachelor Nation news... Hoodoo news! This week, Ari Leyendijk's second choice for wife, Lauren Leyendijk, revealed via Instagram stories that producers helped her practice her hoodoos before she performed them on Ari's season, and she had some very good hoodoos. This is proof positive that hoodoos are a part of our beloved game so important that producers not only encourage players to do them, but allow them and even help them to practice before they execute these athletic maneuvers. I will just say it until the day I die. The hooju is extremely important. It's one of the most important things a player has in their toolkit. And to be able to practice them and get good at them is just, you need to do it. And to know here that the producers helped her practice them during the fucking season. Didn't Ashley I say that they didn't tell her to do it also this week? Yeah, I mean, I think different players probably get different direction depending on what producers want to happen in the course of a season but i mean lauren leyendijk top four exactly they were like don't let her do a hooju no for you lauren leyendijk was really excellent with her hoojus they were very good i remember them high cling tight grip got some ankle locks she was good that's all the bachelor nation news that's fit to podcast and now on to the segment where we discuss the best plays that all players in Bachelor Nation are making in the parasocial arena. This is 
the parasocial play, 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 play of the week. First up, Danny Austin, an Instagram influencer with 1.1 million followers, created a three-woman bachelor for her brother that got video responses from Connor Saley, Hannah Godwin, Tasha Adams, and Dark Lord Harrison. The two-minute and 29-second finale video posted to her Instagram TV has 936,000 views and 6,800 comments. These are numbers that dwarf posts of most current players. Will other influencers capitalizing on the Bachelor format become a normal occurrence? Will the future of the franchise simply be social media? When I saw this thing happening this week, I was like, I don't know. Do we even need the show anymore? Can the format of a kind of dating by attrition just be applied to anyone who wants to do it on social media? It's not that hard to set up is what you found out. Yeah, we've seen people attempt this over the years, over and over, uh, especially smaller versions that are like Zoom date, etc. But nothing that has taken off to this extent and nothing that has gotten this Bachelor Nation seal of approval. It did feel a little chintzy, though. It was a little like watching a high school football game as compared to the NFL. You know what I mean? There were no fucking helicopters. They weren't like jumping in the ocean and shit like that. You're saying it was like a La Quinta season. <laughs> yeah, it was better than that. The next parasocial play we want to highlight involves Claire Crawley. She is in the pit. Last week <laughs> in Parasocial Plays of the Week, I described an Instagram story that I'd like to see from Dale Moss. I specifically mentioned including a sunrise as a symbol of rebirth, moving on, perhaps with some jogging. Well, this week, Claire Crawley proved she was listening by implementing that tailor-made strategy that I outlined for Moss in a series of Instagram stories detailing a morning run with her dog that culminated in a perfect shot of what? Oh, just the sunrise. And she followed up with some spawn con for pink temporary hair dye. She is winning the parasocial battle. Moss is down, but not out. He is still doing spawn con but he simply isn't gaining the traction that Claire Crawley is in this head-to-head match. Why do you think that Bachelor Nation is so quick to blame him and not her for this breakup? Because of the rumor of cheating and the Hmm. clout chasing. You think people know about that? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, people know they broke up, and I think then that becomes why is the very next place your brain goes to, and all you do is Google it, and you're like, oh, he's a clout-chasing cheater. She also... unfollowed Dale this week and posted this to her Instagram stories all text when someone shows you who they are believe them the first time so she's feeding into the narrative that he's an asshole as well yeah he's not doing that to her he's posting Instagram stories of himself crying and saying how his life is ruined and all this kind of stuff he's trying to go victim road she's trying to go fuck you road And it's working. Fuck you road is a better road. (laughs) Fuck you road. (laughs) Yeah. Are you saying that Dale should should try out the fuck you road? No, because he's already in a villain What strategy are you going to suggest for him this week that Claire is going to take from him? (laughs) This week, here's what I want to see from Dale Moss. I want to see a powerful workout video that's him working out his aggression, his Mm -hmm. uh, pain, all of the trauma that he's experienced, I want to see him working that out in the gym, 
doing some explosive bench presses, maybe jumping on some boxes with a inspirational quote that just says when something to the effect of when things get tough, you just have to keep powering through something along mm-hmm. those lines. Like yeah. you're not going to get Beautiful. me down. That's what I need from him right now. And uh, hopefully he's listening. Here's what I need from him right now. I want a direct to camera, at least minute long video denouncing Dark Lord Harrison's interview with Rachel Lindsay <laughs> yes. and calling on him to be fired. <laughs> what if they hired Dale Moss as the new Dark Lord? Dale Moss, if you want hashtag Day's case to happen, this is my requirement. <laughs> is that going to be something you now say on all dates? You're like, well, it's nice to meet you. Where do you stand on the Dark Lord Harrison extra interview? <laughs> I mean, it's a good litmus test. <laughs> it is. That's what I'm saying. It's almost like who did you vote for at this point? Yes. I know, I'm trying to fight the urge to post about every single player in Bachelor Nation's reaction to it, but it doesn't seem like most people are reacting to it. We're seeing most of the woke police are posting about it, but not not many other players. have to, though. (laughs) At some point, I feel like it's going to be mandatory to have a reaction to this. The petition is at 9,796, 98, 99, 9,800. It's just going up. Next up in... Parasocial Plays of the Week. Queen Victoria Larson held an open forum on Clubhouse this week, making her one of, if not the first player to take the step into this new audio-only social media platform. She was joined by players from the last season of Bachelorette that included Garen Flowers, Jay Smith, Wolverine, Chase and Nick, and Yosef Aberady. She divulged that the other players were shocked to see Katie getting such a good edit because they thought she'd be the villain. She would love to touch sand in paradise because she gets a high from filming. And she explains that she did not delete her Instagram, but it was instead disabled due to attempts to hack it. It's unclear if anything she said was true, but what is clear is that the players are more than willing to test out new platforms as they emerge. The next parasocial player we want to highlight is Ryan Fine. Who? Exactly. Fine is a civilian who flexed some parasocial power this week in an attempt to become a player himself. The Nashville singer-songwriter took to his IG this week to perform a song he penned for our next Bachelorette. It's an attempt to get Thurston's attention by offering to be her valentine. We're going to play his song for you now. Hi, Katie from The Bachelor. I'm Ryan, and uh, I can't believe you got sent home last night. You're so incredible and beautiful. I'm going to be alone this Valentine's Day, too. So I thought I'd shoot my shot and see if you want to be my Valentine this year. Katie, will you be my Valentine? Matt let you go so I can slide in your DMs. Sorry if I cross some kind of line. I could come out to Seattle or you could come to Nashville. Please be. accept this rose it would make me the happiest man in the world although fine only weighs in with 3048 instagram followers this video posted to his main grid already has 41,000 views 
We think it's unlikely that producers will bring him into the game next season, but we appreciate the effort, and we hope he sees a little bump from this. And I'm very curious to see if this becomes a thing now. Will civilians just start making more media trying to get the attention of players and producers? I mean, I already sent it to somebody that I'm hoping applies for the show and said, you should do this. <laughs> uh, by the way, Katie Thurston reposted it, which is part of why it has such a huge engagement. Next up in Parasocial Plays of the Week, definitely not a civilian, Bachelor Clues' male goat, Nick Vial, revealed his girlfriend to the public. In an Instagram Reels post that has 63,000 likes and 1,100 comments, the male goat shoots his girlfriend, Natalie Joy, as she sits on a couch reading a book with her hair in a towel. He includes some applause, sound effects, and lingers on Joy until she realizes she is being filmed and then smiles and gives an indulgent head nod bow just before Vial turns the camera back on himself to give us a pure parasocial gaze and a little smile as he rests his chin in his hand as if to say fine I'll show you that I have a girlfriend now the caption simply reads ladies and gentlemen dot 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 her followed by her Instagram handle and a heart emoji I watched this video so many times <laughs> wait what <laughs> yeah Why? well it's just like he's doing so many things with it I feel like he <laughs> Like he oh looks God. to camera when he pans back to him and then he does like another little look where he's looking at her on the couch like, oh my God, I'm so in love. Like he's getting lost in her. It just seemed like a pure performance of like 4TRR basically. I loved it. I love that you watched it so many times and we're really <laughs> scrutinizing his eye looks and shit like that. I mean, I watched it maybe five times. You got me beat? Oh my God, loser. <laughs> oh fuck how are you filling your days um no it just seemed so like contrived to like do this little like look back at her that moment for me was just okay and then i you see in the comments everyone's like look you can tell how in love he is with her it worked he knows what he's doing and speaking of parasocial players who know what they're doing our parasocial play of the week goes to a group of players from season 16 of the bachelorette joe park riley christian bennett jordan and brendan marias got together in new york this week to create parasocial magic with a 33 second video that is completely scripted and acted by the quartet Jordan and Christian play supporting roles to Park and Marias's leads in a comedic imagining of a bromance gone wrong. The video opens with a short clip from their time in game last season in which Park and Marias sit next to each other before a cocktail party in La Quinta. Marias puts his hand on Park's shoulder and one on his elbow. Park clutches Marias's knee, each offering the other support through physical touch. We then cut to a living room where Marias now sits on a couch next to Riley Christian and Bennett Jordan. He does a reenactment of his shoulder and elbow grip, this time on Jordan, who returns the knee clutch to Marias just as Park did in the desert heat of Palm Springs. Park enters the room, drinks in hand, to see what is a clear violation of his relationship with Marias, who exclaims, it's not what you think, 
Joe as he chases after him, trying to stop him from leaving, but it's too late. The damage has been done. Park hangs his head and walks out the door. This bromance has been fractured beyond repair. But the next slide reveals it was all in good fun, and the two pals are happier than ever to be in each other's lives as they wear masks together in the streets of New York City. This video was posted to both Marias and Park's main grids, where it garnered 344k views and 21k likes, respectively. We don't know whose idea this was, but we have to think Joe Park was the creative visionary behind this incredible <laughs> piece of parasocial play. Congratulations to all involved. I think there's 99% chance likely that Joe Park is the creative behind this operation. He is a parasocial powerhouse. He has been doing such amazing content. It's unbelievable. Um, and this video is, it's very cute and it also demonstrates the power of a dynamic duo. Park and Mariah set this up during their season and they're continuing to play off of it in the parasocial postseason. My only real complaint with it was Riley was underused. He's just sitting on the couch. He gets no lines. He gets no <laughs> part of this. Bystander. And... To round out our parasocial plays of the week, we do have a parasocial error of the week. And that title goes to our 22nd bachelor, Ari Leyendijk. He posted a black and white selfie to his Instagram story this week. He's sitting in his nice car, making a sad face, leaning his head on his hand, wearing a nice watch. And there's a bunch of written text. Reading. Sitting in that parking lot while at Lauren Leyendijk is getting the anatomy scan. In my opinion, it's BS. Husbands aren't allowed. Just doesn't make sense. Every doctor has their own set of rules. There is no consistency. Men are honestly being discriminated against. <laughs> we should have a right to see our own babies. You can pack a stadium full of people, fill airplanes, but I can't watch a monitor from six feet away? Fucking ridiculous. End quote. I don't even know where to start with this. Yes, I agree people shouldn't be packing football stadiums. I agree with Ari on that point. But people are saying goodbye to their loved ones, dying via iPads all over this country every single day. What are we at? 3,000 people a day? Roughly, yeah. Um, he has also had COVID, has experienced this. It, it really pairs well with DLH's interview, to be honest. Just this, this privileged point of view where you can't see outside of your own lived experience. You know, women can also have pregnant partners that they don't get to go to appointment, appointments with, for instance. He had one single moment where he's not getting everything that he wants exactly how he wants and it was one too many for mr Leyendike. he is becoming a men's right activist after this when i saw this post i mean a million things went through my head one that he was just sitting in that car being like this isn't fair let me pose mm -hmm. for a selfie where i look a little mad and sad let me then apply a black and white filter to it so that it's more serious and then i'm gonna go ahead and just post this that to me was you know, obviously the error portion of this, but then in context with the rest of his fucking Instagram, if you go just look in his main grid, 
the first like five pictures are him popping champagne, wearing nice suits in giant mansions with captions that read like just sold a four point two million dollar house, just sold another mega million dollar house. There's no discrimination going on here, dude. You're going to be okay. It's also like he doesn't understand there's more people that go to this doctor than just him. And if they let every dad go in there, (laughs) it raises the risk for all of the moms who are going in there as well. Or all of the people generally that are going in there. If you And pregnant women are much more at risk. They're not supposed to get fevers while they're pregnant. When you first posted it, I thought you had photoshopped it. It didn't seem real. And that wraps up all the parasocial play for this week. Now we move into that portion of our show in which Pace Case and I jump from the top of the pit all the way down to the bottom without regard for our personal safety so that we can scream as loud as we want about our relationship with this show, with this sport, with this franchise. This is Screams from the Pit! Just like we did something a little different with our State of the World this week, we're doing something a little different with our Screams from the Pit this week due to this week's events. We're going to be issuing a joint scream, and that scream has to do with the nature of complicity. I feel like we haven't really talked about it in a while, what it means to be complicit in watching The Bachelor, and we wanted to highlight it here. The Bachelor subreddit Instagram page is calling on people to boycott The Bachelor um, after the Dark Lord Harrison interview. They made a post saying... Until the series commits to denouncing white supremacy, racism, sexism, and misogyny, this show continues to welcome harmful participants, and I will not continue to watch white-centered media and microaggressions towards BIPOC women. And we wanted to discuss how we get change, and people are going to, people are going to vary on that. And for me, I'm like, I don't want to lose all of the woke people from Bachelor Nation. I don't want Ashley Spivey and Taylor Nolan to just check out of The Bachelor and not continue to hold it accountable. Nor do I. I truly view it as a sport. And I know that in some ways that might have started out as a kind of tongue-in-cheek like joke concept in our podcast. But at this point, we're writing a book about it. We have statistical information to back up all these different plays that we've identified within the game. It is a sport, like period. I don't even view it that way. Mm -hmm. It simply is a sport. And we may be among the first kind of wave of people to identify that. But in the same way that other sports like the NFL or Major League Baseball have had racist practices in the past, misogynistic practices in the past, all this kind of stuff, the games don't go away. People are still going to watch them. They're still going to generate enough money that they will be around. So what you really need is people who are fans of them, people who are scrutinizing them, to continue to speak out about it so that that change starts to happen. I mean, we did get the first Black Bachelor specifically because the woke elements of Bachelor Nation demanded it happen, and it did. And we have the most diverse cast this season as well. Absolutely. Things are changing. And I know that this Dark Lord Harrison thing makes it seem like they're not, or it's just business as usual or whatever. But now there's this petition, which I'm looking at again. (laughs) 10,000 people have now signed it, 10,042. 
Wow, 10K Club. Congratulations, Petish. <laughs> I don't know if Chris Harrison's going to get removed or not, but there is an attitude for that to happen or for there to be some higher level of accountability about what he has said and this general attitude that the show always presents that kind of protects these racist things that happen within their show. So for me, being complicit means understanding that I am unendingly entertained by the sport I am watching, but also knowing that kind of, again, likening it to the NFL, the commissioner and the governing body of that sport, the NFL in the case of football, in (laughs) our case, it's ABC, The Bachelor, NZK Productions, Warner Brothers to some degree, that they are the ones who are okay with, and in some cases, even servicing these racist practices. And if we continue to watch and we talk loud enough, that might change as we have seen it change in season 25. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> I I don't know two people who are more obsessed with this show than you and I. <laughs> there, are, there are some up there, you know, Reality Steve, mm-hmm. et cetera. But, you know, we love this show and we call upon it to make it better. And like something that you were saying earlier when we were talking about this in State of the World was like it has gotten to this point where this year where it's like enough is enough. Get rid of all of the Confederate monuments, etc. And I think this is, you know, we're experiencing those growing pains of like the show growing, of Bachelor Nation growing, of people in Bachelor Nation, you know, the rise of like bachelor data etc showing that there are these pure numbers for people who are for screen time for followers etc that you can directly measure to see how the audience is responding to different players and different amounts of screen time etc and it is clear from all of the data that there is just racism baked into this franchise we don't have a black player who has gotten over a hundred thousand instagram followers despite this being the season with the most black players. There is something that really came through in this Dark Lord Harrison interview to me, which is that his reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement, to the Batch Diversity campaign, is sort of Trumpian. It is this white lash, which BLM has posted about a lot, but it's they defined it as white supremacist violence and rage that follows political advancements towards racial justice and other social progress. And we see this we see this violence following the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement this year by way of the violent insurrection at the Capitol, by way of what happened in Michigan, by way of the increase in attacks towards Asian Americans that has happened during COVID. And a lot of these racist things were stoked by the president. And we see this rage, this white lash. I see it in this interview with Rachel Lindsay. Dark Lord Harrison has had it. He's so sick of the 50-50 back and forth, all the unreasonable people calling him out for deleting his black square, etc. And he's not happy about it. The old systems served him very well. And he doesn't see this this need for change that we all might. 
Yeah, and I know that it is hard. I certainly felt this way in the beginning when we first started doing this podcast. I mean, honestly, it's kind of what made me start doing memes in the first place was the lie that the show was promoting. They're like, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. We're not racist. There's just no good black candidates who apply to our show. (laughs) Yeah, we just didn't find anyone who was good enough to be the first black bachelor in 24 seasons. At a certain point, if you view this show as a guilty pleasure, the guilt will begin to outweigh the pleasure. And that is what is happening here with this DLH interview. But if you view it in a different way for what it actually is, it's a sport. You're watching people play a game. So if you look at the NFL or Major League Baseball or anything else, there's a separation in the idea of the game and then how the game is presented or treated by the governing body. And that's really what I do with Bachelor now. I see the game. I see the plays. I see the 10-round structure. I see the rose ceremonies, all that kind of stuff. And then I see also the presentation of the game by the governing body. That is what is difficult to watch. That is the thing that I think, as you said, I mean, it is changing. We are inching forward little by little. And it's like, yes, it took 18 years to get the first Black Bachelor. But we now have that. That door is open. I think it can happen again. End of the dwab. End of the dwab. I think if we stay vigilant, at least this is my tack. I mean, this is how I'm choosing Mm -hmm. to view this because this was a hard fucking thing to watch, this 13 minutes. It's like we know that he's racist and all this shit. We've talked about it openly on this show literally since day one and in all of our memes and all that shit. But to actually see it like this crystallized in a 13-minute interview that he's giving to fucking Rachel Lindsay of all people, it is difficult to watch. And I understand that reaction of being like, fuck this show, I'm done with it. But the show isn't the game. The show is just the presentation of the game. And by the way, if people want to boycott Bachelor and stop watching it, we completely Oh, for sure. If you can get out of the pit, goddamn, just send me a DM telling me how you did it. That's all I ask. (laughs) Take me with you. (laughs) But like I'm in it. I can't. There's no way I can stop watching it now, especially because of this, because I want to see how it's going to change things. Yeah. I will say this, as shitty as this was, I think good will come from it. I think that it's going to demand a response and changes to be made. And it could literally be starting with DLH no longer being the host of the show. And who will then be the new face of it? If it is Rachel Lindsay, if she's the new host of Bachelor and Bachelorette and fucking Bachelor in Paradise and all that shit, that's a drastic change. You now get to see a black woman hosting this show that is about romance and love and what you know whatever it's supposed to be those lies she can now uphold those lies instead of dark lord harrison that would be a massive shift in the identity of the show you're seeing a black woman host a show where a black woman has never been the ring winner at least on the main game i don't like i want rachel Lindsay to replace him it's hard for me to see that ever happening but I think we should push for it. I think we should push for actual change. If they are replacing him, let's not accept a Ben Higgins replacement. This sort of like milk toast, like, oh, okay, it's a different person. The Joe Biden of the Bachelor world. Yes. <laughs> I feel like he's like the Pete Buttigieg. It's just like, okay. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, in the beginning of our podcast, we used to talk a lot about what it means to be complicit and how shitty it makes you feel that it's like you're a fan of this thing that, you know, openly promotes racism, misogyny, et cetera, et cetera. And ableism, 
it promotes that only one body type is okay, etc. Like there's just so much work to be done. And I think we could make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much change we're going to see in our lifetimes. If you look at other sports as kind of examples, you know, in terms of having racist mascots and things of that nature. I mean, there's a sticking power to it. Yeah. 70 fucking years in some cases it took to get those things changed Um, or to have, you know, the first black players in baseball or even in the NFL or the fucking NBA. Like they all had their first black player. It had to get to that point. And so I feel like at least with bachelor, we have seen our first black leads now, both bachelorette and bachelor. We are seeing a more diverse player pool, seemingly, hopefully, every season. Hopefully, what we're seeing now is going to carry through. And I just think that there are still these old pieces of the game. Chris Harrison has been a part of this game since literally 2002. He's been in every season. He is one of the old pieces that is going to have to go. He's the face of the franchise. But I don't think he's an important one. That's, you know, I, I know Reality Steve says he believes when Chris Harrison leaves the show, the show ends. I don't think that's true because the game itself is strong enough. I think that's what people are tuning in for. You're watching these players play off of each other, who's going to win, all that kind of shit. I think that carries the show. Chris Harrison is a very small part of the show, in fact. It's funny to, like, you know, comment on when he does something stupid or wears an outfit or whatever. Are you saying that his tings and his dark touch are not key components of this show? Clues. Yeah, he is kind of the keeper of the ceremony of these kind of certain things in the same way like you know an umpire calling balls and strikes is but Rachel Lindsay can do the tings or whatever ceremony she wants to do in service of that it, yeah. it's just the end of the, the round of play it's just a buzzer in a game you know but yeah we feel yeah we feel yeah out there bachelor nation who are feeling especially complicit this week and that is why we decided it would be best for us to issue this joint scream but it is hopeful for me i feel hopeful and i think you know you're saying there's this staying power in sports where they you know take a really long time to change mascots etc but i think the level of accountability because of social media etc has ramped up exponentially And we're seeing a lot of massive change going on in all of our industries and especially in reality TV. I swear to God, there's a racism scandal on like every reality TV show I'm watching now. Hmm. Southern Charm, Real Housewives, etc. They are, everybody is contending with this. I feel hopeful. There has been significant change and there will continue to be significant change. But we got to remain vigilant and hold people accountable, even if some people think that is unreasonable and woke police, etc. <laughs> well, there you have it. That is our scream from deep within the pit. We are complicit. We will remain vigilant, but we're going to keep watching this thing because we are hopelessly addicted to it. <laughs> This is Bachelor Clues. Just as I finished editing this entire episode, some new developments have arisen in the Chris Harrison story. And so I thought I would just take a moment to address those right now. Chris Harrison has issued an apology. 
I'm going to read it to you now. This is posted to the main grid of his Instagram account, as well as his Instagram stories. It is white text on a black background. It reads, To my Bachelor Nation family, I will always own a mistake when I make one, so I'm here to extend a sincere apology. I have this incredible platform to speak about love, and yesterday, I took a stance on topics about which I should have been better informed. While I do not speak for Rachel Kirkconnell, my intentions were simply to ask for grace in offering her an opportunity to speak on her own behalf. While I now realize what I have done is cause harm by wrongly speaking in a manner that perpetuates racism, and for that, I am so deeply sorry. I also apologize to my friend Rachel Lindsay for not listening to her better on a topic she has first-hand understanding of and humbly thank the members of Bachelor Nation who have reached out to me to hold me accountable. I promise to do better. So, this is not any kind of direct addressing the camera. There is no video component to this. Again, it is simply text posted to his main grid and his stories. He does issue an apology. He does mention the word racism. And I'm sure he's hoping this is going to be enough that this will blow over. Whether it is or not remains to be seen. Another piece of this is Matt James has liked this post. Van Lathan has not. He said, you are a weenie in the comments, which I thought was hilarious. But we don't know where this is going. We don't know if this is going to be the end of Chris Harrison as the host of all of the Bachelor Media Empire. Or if this apology, which certainly was sanctioned by ABC and all the producers, if it's actually going to work. And if he's going to be able to skate by without having to resign, getting fired, or something like that. Now, interestingly, this is not Chris Harrison's only job. He also sometimes hosts Miss USA. He also hosts Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He also is a spokesperson for Manly Bands. He has a white wine spritzer drink, I think, with Seagram's. He promotes a lot of other products, services, shows, and any one of those can drop him as the result of this. To my knowledge, that has not happened as of yet. He is still the spokesperson for these things. But if that were to start to happen, it may have a cascade effect, and that could wind up kind of handcuffing ABC, and they may have no choice but to dismiss him. But again, this apology was issued, and Matt James has liked it. We don't know if that like was under duress, if that was the show telling him you better do this. And it's going to be very interesting to watch this story as it unfolds to see what happens to the host of every episode of this show since the dawn of time. So thank you very much for joining us on This Week in Bachelor Nation. Thank you, as always, for sending us these glorious tids to the bottom of the pit where I consume them with glee. To be clear, that's to at Bachelor Clues, not at Game of Roses pod. And thank you for everybody who is sending in your illustration portfolios. We are going to be reviewing those in the coming weeks, and hopefully we can find somebody to help us out with our special project. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 6,897 days without an Asian bachelor. Fire Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. 
Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um 
three body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle, uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber skincare 